0: Good evening. Tonight on SAE, we explore the seedy underbelly of, well, underbellies. Neighbors John and Jess describe Trent Gay as a quiet recluse that mostly kept to himself. But behind closed doors, he was a man ravaged by compulsion, lethargy, and the long-term effects of mild dietary child abuse. Journalist Kat Smith gets up close and personal with serial killer Trent Gay and finds out revenge is in the only dish best served cold.
1: So tell me, what started this serial killing spree?
2: I had Captain Crunch, the first Captain Crunch, ate with my bare hands from the bag. And that was really when I tasted the the blood from the roof of my mouth. And... I got used to that mixture of my own blood, of the cat and crunch, of the milk.
1: Where did you usually find these mascots?
2: Um I I met Trix, the rabbit, had a continental breakfast, we went back to my room. Um, we had some milk. I had at that uh, time. I had a large wooden spoon um, that I would carry. And when I woke up, there was uh, a sort of rainbow-colored milk uh, all over my clothes and all over the bed. And that was the first time I felt that I might get caught. It felt like things might be getting out of control. I had a Sam's Club membership. I told people that I owned a restaurant because I would buy pallets of Froot Loops at a time. Dozens and dozens of boxes, sometimes two, three, four times a week. Growing up, I had never seen a vegetable the first time. I saw broccoli. I thought it was a plant. I put water on it. I have type 2 diabetes. As we speak, I've got a 165-gallon kiddie pool filled with sugar smacks and heavy cream no spoon and I'm ready to kill again
3: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Mr. Sophistication. I'm in my walk-in freezer. We're actually talking on the uh, remote again. We're still distancing. Don't anybody worry. I got some flack from some people who thought it sounded like we were all at the same table last episode. Uh, So let me assure everyone we are not in the same room. Um, Tonight, serial killers. Not the real kind, but the make-believe movie kind. Before we get going, Kevin, I understand we are giving away some exclusive merchandise.
4: We are. (laughs) We have have a limited run of Speak All Evil t-shirts, which feature the fantastic logo for the show. And all you need to do to get one of these t-shirts is to go ahead on iTunes, subscribe, uh, leave us a rating and leave us a review. And then you can hit up Trent at speakallevil.com. Let him know your shirt size. And if you trust him enough with your address, throw that in there too. It helps me uh, to ship it. Um, but that's it. That's all you have to do to rock one of the uh, the brand new super dope Speak All Evil t-shirts. And uh, for right now, for the first 50, we'll throw in uh, a free sticker as well. Oh, wow. Woo.
3: Yeah, and, and let's be – I want to be very clear. This is a quid pro quo. This is 100% <laughs> a quid pro quo. We want rave reviews. We want good reviews. Don't go on there leaving middling milquetoast stuff. Um, we got a review in last night. I think you guys should hear. I haven't shown this to the group yet. Uh, review came in over the Twitter. You guys really on on there. Cat and I are on there, um, and uh, it's uh, it says the following: "Speak all evil pod episode four was awful, but ex- <laughs> wait, wait, but excited to hear more. I'd watch movie recommendations from you, especially Dave and Cat." You could oh. sell packages of recommendations based on theme. $10 a piece, I'd buy one. Multiple lists based on category. Cluck Trent, that's me on Twitter, also mm. has a great radio voice. So, yeah, so kind of a mixed bag, uh, mixed <laughs> review. That's by uh, Jonathan Z Music. Z for Zachariah, I'm guessing. Um, But that's Mm. not the kind of review that's going to get you a um, (laughs) T-shirt or sticker. I will, however, uh, sell you a pack of movie recommendations from uh, the gang. Email me, Trent, at speakallevil.com. We'll send you out packs of themed recommendations, $10 a piece. I'll hook you up with our Venmo or PayPal, however you want to do it.
0: And uh, now let's get down to business. Dave, Serial Killers, what did you bring? Where did you watch it? Um, the film I chose for Serial Killers was Angst, 1983. Uh, it's an Austrian film directed by Gerald Cargill. Um, and Gerald Cargill uh, became financially in distress and, um, over the controversy surrounding his film. And this was his last film that he made, sadly. Um, Starring Erwin Letter, I think that's how he's, or Leader, uh, who was in uh, Underworld, Das Boot, Schindler's List. uh, Pretty much, uh, if you need a creepy guy with his eyes bugging out, you call up old (laughs) Erwin. This story is based on the triple murder case of Werner Nisek in 1980, who's quoted as saying, I just love it when women shiver in deadly fear because of me. It's like an addiction that will never stop. Mm. Um, <laughs> the way, oh, so
4: true. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: the way the killer is portrayed in Angst, uh, is as a socially awkward 1970s Mick Jagger, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> killing people out of lust. <laughs> um, and, and while he's killing these people, um, He's narrating uh, the story of his abusive childhood. Um, This movie is like intensely personal uh, to the point where the viewer is deprived of any other character development besides for uh, the killer who is the main character. Um, So inevitably when uh, the serial killer in this movie gets caught, uh, spoiler alert, but it's, (laughs) you know, history... Uh, you you feel like a little sting of compassion, and it's again that that moment where your fear your fear is warped between, um, you know, fear of murder, and then also this same kind of weird fear of getting caught. Um, so I liked that the way they played out the character development of um, the the lead character and you hear all his thoughts mostly throughout the whole thing. Like what's going through his mind as he's killing. And he's, he's really this like limp wristed, like he barely kills people. He's just flailing around the whole time. And <laughs> and that too gets really, gets really frustrating and, and exhausting to watch. But um, I thought it made it, very very agonizingly realistic
3: yeah it's really it's anxiety or angst inspiring to just to watch it you can you feel his like psychotic nervous energy the whole time and he Um, you talked about the haplessness of, of his attack, like his initial attack. He just goes so wrong. It's so awkward and hard to watch. And then he's, he's very unhappy at, you know, it happened too fast. He didn't, it wasn't as dramatic as he wanted. He has to try to slow everything down. Uh, I love this one. And this is on, uh, this is on Prime right now. It's on Shutter. I discovered this one last year. Um, it was, this is cited by, uh, Gaspar non as a, uh, prime influence on his filmmaking, uh, French auteur, provocateur, that we're big fans of on the show. Um, so that's why I watched it and I, I really liked the portrayal. Seemed like, uh, you know, the whole, like, fear thing, I think, is something that sometimes you don't get in the fictional Uh, serial killer portrayals that there's this is like a a person that's ruled by this constant fear and they're trying to uh, instill that fear in other people to find some sort of, um, to find their satisfaction, be it sexual or whatever but I I think a lot of times I haven't seen it nailed quite as well, that that fear element um, as it is in this
4: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that this movie, what makes it so scary to me is that there are people that batshit crazy out there, like 100%. Um, and, and most of them probably never go quite as far as uh, our, our star here, if you want to call him a star, in angst goes. But there are people that are that fucking crazy out there. Um, I, I loved, I found this on Shudder. I'd never seen this. This is the first time I'd ever watched angst. I'd heard Dave talk about it a little bit, probably just as we were kind of dealing with picks for the show. Um but the shutter synopsis like just kind of nails it it calls out henry uh portrait of a serial killer it calls out gas no, and it also compares it to man bites dog Um, This movie very Mm -hmm. much reminded me of Man Bites Dog to the point where I think that those film students that were making Man Bites Dog watched this movie. And basically what they did is they just did like a more swagged up version of the killer Mm. and took it over the top. Instead of Mm -hmm. internal dialogue, they externalized everything with like all of his bragging and his flippant ways.
0: It also reminded me of Clockwork Orange. But like instead of instead of like the obsession with uh milk it was sausage in this one just like really that gross <laughs> sausage eating scene i respect a scene like that
1: mm, both of them.
0: the place he goes to he the, the bar or whatever restaurant that is that he goes to to just you know like oogle girls and eat sausage
4: really uncomfortable end scene
0: we need more places like that
1: he came there to oogle to girls and, and eat sausages but he had both so he, he did both of those things.
0: <laughs> Kat,
1: you, um, must have,
3: you must have enjoyed this one
1: I, I liked parts of this one. I, uh, I thought the the uh, cinematography is very interesting like the camera work I'm a big fan of like you know the camera like on the person and then like them kind of like moving around. Um, I thought the music was interesting, it was like, had this weird eerie thing going on. Um, but, the voiceover wasn't terrible, I I liked it more than like, other voiceovers that we've heard. I just thought it was a little one note after a while. Hmm. Like, you know, a few minutes into the, to him, you know, trying to murder this family, I was like, okay, so, what else? Like, it kinda just drags on, I felt like it was just kinda a little boring. And the movie's only like an hour and 15 minutes long, so it's not a very long movie, but it felt like it was going on for an eternity for me. Um, what I thought was interesting is that this movie came out only three years after the actual murders happened, which wow. usually I feel like, you know, mm. there's at least like a decade That's or a so. Quick, but a this quick turnaround. <laughs> it was, yeah, they were like, Austrians, mass murderer. That's what they called him, but he only killed four people in total. Three yeah, if you, look up,
4: if you look up that guy's but, wiki, you know, everything about Ankh mm-hmm. says that it's, it's loosely based on Werner Nizak or however you say it. But if you look up what he actually did, yeah. that's a bunch of bullshit. They basically just threw this thing into production and they were like, all right, we're going to make a movie. And we'll just fictionalize some stuff and say it's loosely based. So I don't know if they were trying to avoid potential legalities or the fact that...
1: Maybe, because he's still alive. It's too bad. Like today. But, um, yeah, a, a lot of the fucked up things that happened in the movie he actually did. Like, what I think of is the heart medication. Mm. You know, he's making sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> that the yeah. old woman takes the heart medication so he can, you know, keep her alive for longer to torture her for longer.
0: That really happened. Um,
1: in yeah, and she got tortured a lot. The family, there was a lot more torture in real life. Like, the girl, the daughter got uh they said between like 7 and 11 hours she was tortured oh before God. she uh got strangled to death she had mm. like a bunch of welts and burns on her uh, on her body so but other than that you know
3: so in real life he, th- he in, in real life <laughs> he was he was a lot better at it than in the movie he must have been more it seems so he must have yeah. been more satisfied better at it mm. <laughs> 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 I liked how, uh, how totally oblivious he was to his situation once he has moved on from the first conquest. Uh, he sort of has another plan and he's, he like the, the discrepancy between how well he thinks everything's <laughs> going, uh, and what's actually happening is so out. This is just so beyond. I, I think again, I, I thought that was like, kind of a, um, uh, a sort of prescient or cogent um, look into like the mind of somebody who's having this um, psychotic break basically he's uh, just just no he's totally out of touch with with reality yeah and there's like the
4: I actually liked the I know we keep talking about narration and internal dialogue and stuff, but I actually really liked that like background like mini documentary that they sort of get covering all the typical like budding psychopath markers and the abuse. Um and, and I noticed yes. yeah it, it hit in them that, all like kind of mm-hmm. throwback, um it looks it looked to me like like they're using actual pictures of the actor. Like as a child, uh, I, either that or they found somebody that looked Ooh. damn yeah. close. And like, I know you had a description <laughs> of him, a, a gutter, but I don't know if you guys watched uh, Game of Thrones, but this dude basically looked like Theon Greyjoy mm-hmm. as an absolute psychopath.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, he so did. Oh, my and God. I, th- I thought, like, yeah.
4: I think a lot of the family tropes are heartbreaking. You guys talk about the. Uh, you know, the medicine, and he's obsessed with keeping this, you know, this one woman alive. Um, I thought it was heartbreaking when, when the daughter has this ability to convince him, um, you know, that she needs her medicine. Um, I thought that was like really well done. Mm-hmm. Smart, mil- s- smart filmmaking for 1983, you know, e- even, if, even if the killer catches on kind of quickly, it buys her time. Um, and then for me, I wouldn't say come off the rails, but I was not prepared for a sequence in this film where we go straight vampire and then tack on some necrophilia and then we just start <sighs> jerking off. I was yeah. like, holy shit.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of
1: came out of left field.
3: Sort of a triple crown. It so thank yeah. you, Dave. <laughs> he's drinking blood. He's he's necrophilion up. Yeah. <laughs> he has a a, spo- a spontaneous orgasm when he's... Thinking about having the corpses with him all the time, remember? He's like, it occurred to me that I could just have the bodies with me, and I think it shows him actually just sitting there without touching himself have an orgasm (laughs) over this thought. Mm. Kat, you read you read this stuff all day long. I mean, don't look at me
0: like I'm. You know, I'm telling you something you never heard. So many orgasms this week the the serial killer there's so many orgasms oh my uh, God. Uh, my characters myself anyone uh, anyone who is in the proximity of <laughs> my television a lot of orgasms going on these, these serial killers that are some something. twisted fucks <laughs> and it gives me a raging boner <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> Love when I'm watching my. I'm love some sugar crisp when I'm watching my. I'm I love when I'm watching my
3: Well mm. speaking of which, um my uh, my choice this week, I decided to go uh, a little bit outside of the box. <laughs> Get a little bit intercontinental with it the um, 2013 argentinian film called she wolf aka Mujalobo. lobo um, this <laughs> is uh you can watch this on tubi with ads but i discovered this on uh, a streaming subscription service called midnight pulp that i really really love um there's tons of uh, cult and foreign classic indie underground, just tons of wild stuff. It's like $4 a month. It's a total steal for the price of like one movie rental. You could have midnight pulp all the time and you can find movies like She-Wolf from South America. This is about a sex worker who trolls the subways uh, of Buenos Aires and um, picks up clients and dispatches of them in uh, a number of gruesome ways and she's got it seems like a little bit of a personality problem there seem to be uh a few personalities operating at the same time and they're all a little bit different and uh, she's also being pursued by local authorities which um, the local authorities in this movie a lot different than the authorities depicted in Angst uh, or any of the other movies that we're going to watch this week. Uh, real hands-on detective work. I love this one. <laughs> um, big fan of this movie. Kevin, what do you think of this one? You didn't. You haven't mentioned it all week, so I've been curious. She's <laughs> Kevin. Kevin
0: watched She Wolf. He hasn't oh, said he one word about, about it. it. The company outing. You didn't show up to the the team building exercise this week. Yeah, I know. I've missed actual corporate
3: meetings, uh, like professional meetings that I was getting paid for and heard about it less than the little um, spontaneous uh, uh,
0: marshmallow roast you guys had the other night. I'm very sorry, but (laughs) well, your pick for this week came up in conversation.
4: So my my first note a little ways into this was uh, Trent picked a porno. And basically threw his pick in front yeah. of the uh, moving subway train this week. Um, I, I I wasn't <laughs> loving this movie until uh, the cop apartment scene and the chase scene, and I thought it kind of it turned around for me a little bit there. Um, it's super confusing. This is one of the few movies that I would I, I personally would recommend reading a little bit about because it's mm-hmm. it's one character or one. Yeah, one character played by three different actresses portraying a different part of her personality. And if you don't know that going in, the whole beginning of this movie can really be confusing. Um, Once I kind of understood that, um, I started to to enjoy it more. I mean, um, you know, I I, I question whether, you know, it's kind of lowbrow horror going for like super highbrow stylization Um, Like, I look at a movie like this that's shot in black and white and very stylized, and I I wonder at the end of it, you know, did it earn that? Or was that just something that they kind of threw Mm -hmm. in there to, like, maybe make it a little more viable? Um, And I'm just saying, I I know a lot of the horror movies that we've watched, and even some of our picks aren't filled with, like, Oscar-worthy performances. Um, But I thought this was a pretty bold movie to go so artsy and stylized and sparse because um, what it what it did for me is it made any any acting performance shortcoming really stand out. Um, that being said, there were a couple images. Mm-hmm. There's a, a post sex image um, where all three personalities kind of, you know, are draped over a love interest. Um, I thought that was kind of moving, um, kind of showing, at least to me, that this is the first person that maybe all three of of the personalities within this woman are comfortable with. Um, And it kind of gives you some of that false Mm -hmm. hope that, like, you know, you could have, um, you know, a a happy ending here. Um, I guess for me, you know, rant over, it was uneven for me. Um, I was really looking to come at you pretty hard, Trent. But at some point, this movie does have some redeeming qualities uh, in the third act that kind of pulled it together for me.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm in the same boat as as Kevin, where I was definitely confused. It wasn't called She-Wolves, you know? I was like, why are there three people, you know, fucking shit up? But once I looked into it, like, while I was watching it and figured out that it was, you know, multiple personalities going on, which I think is very interesting. I think that's a very good way to do it, because it shows the audience, you know, when the personalities are changing and who's doing, and, you know, what personalities are doing what. Um... (sighs) with the premise of this movie i i really i i really wanted to like it but it was just like it seemed very sad to me that this girl felt that she had to like behave in all these different ways like it was just sad like that she was obviously mentally ill in some way and she's using these sexual encounters to you know fill whatever void or fill whatever void of uh, her personalities I didn't think she was a sex worker I didn't pick up on that I thought she was just trolling the subway um, For for dudes But um, I would say parts of this film Were a bit much for me um, Especially since I have other people That oh, live wait, in my did house we, Did we, have, did of we sudden, offend your roommates? No I just oh. I, There was one moment where I saw a little head poke around And so I was like what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> So there were times where I definitely like muted it. Just it was like, okay, are there any important <laughs> plot points that are about to happen?
3: It's not in. It's not in English, though. I would you have to be just like this: this the screaming and grunting because, and, and orgasming. That
1: yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the words that were the, uh, the universal really
0: Language up. of ejaculate.
1: <laughs> oh, that oh my
0: god! So
1: yeah, the detective. He's, wasn't on another serious level,
0: load. for sure. Real law and order guy. Real well, law and order guy. <laughs> Quite the opposite of what Kevin was saying. My actual complaint would be that there were too many happy endings. Um, <laughs> as, as I was watching it, I had to keep pausing it every 10, 15 minutes to fillet myself and then continue on. Um, uh, Quality-wise, to me, uh, it would be a great music video if you were in like a college film class. That would you you would get an A on that, but I mean, I, I didn't really like it. Uh, my girlfriend told me uh, when I was watching it, she was like, "You need to watch this movie in the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> Don't watch this out here." <laughs> and and by the way, Kat, I need you to do some sort of. Um, promo for spank all evil
1: like it's like
0: it's a like it's a 1-800 number
1: (laughs) oh yes i get to break out my radio voice Yeah, i get some
0: porn music in there
1: hey you yeah you are you tired of watching scary movies all by your lonesome squeezing that pillow all night long well now there's a site just for you, SpankAllEvil.com. I'm so scared. Won't you come and hold me? Spank all evil.
3: Well, I'm, s- I'm surprised. Think- so, I'm surprised we have to, fo- you know. I don't. Is this is like um, uh, Mormon all evil or something, or
0: speak, speak all. I don't know. It's a speak all Mormon tabernacle choir I just, here. I just told you I filleted myself every ten minutes. I mean, how? how where there's do we a have lot to of to go? There's a sex. In the movie. She's a sex worker. I'm sorry. The last
1: guy if had sex
0: with a corpse and shit on it. Right? Yeah, that was fine. Oh
3: yeah, having sex with the corpse and shitting on. But but a, a sex worker taking agency um, and uh, doing things on her own terms, and a, a female a female serial killer though that's
0: that's over the line. There was a money shot. Uh, this is some kind of porn. No, no, no. Yeah. I, th- I think all we're saying. I mean, I didn't, I didn't actually like the movie, but it wasn't because of the porn. That's the parts I liked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't. I take exception <laughs> to the
3: idea that it's some sort of titillation factor. I mean, I just thought it was a good movie. I know you guys, <laughs> you guys just it. It's not like I, you know, brought in something from, uh, you know, Pornhub or something like that.
4: I think, I think, you know, one, one, you know, just to point out some of the stuff I really did like, I liked the music a lot. I thought it was a cool score, kind of like Tom Waits-y, um, at times. That was done by uh, Sami Buccella Looks like he's done um, all of the director, and I, I, I can't remember if you said at the beginning, Trent, is it Tamei Garadagai? Uh
3: Yeah, that's probably better than I would do. Um, okay. <laughs> um, she, she's one of she is one of the foremost genre filmmakers in South America. Had a lot of success on the international um, film festival circuit. I'm kind of interested to see what else she's done because I'm not familiar.
4: Yeah, well, she's got three more. Th- I, she got three or four movies slated for 2020 release. The one that I looked at was like Las Furias. If you guys look that up, it sounds cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like the music a lot. I think that this movie suffered... Because we had watched A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night so recently. Um, mm. And like, yeah. they're just kind of mm-hmm. stylistically similar and sort of going for the same, same things. And A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is clearly far superior, in, in my oh, opinion. Sure. Sure.
0: Sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I appreciate that you picked it, mm-hmm. though. I mean, like, if a girl had recommended that I watch this movie, I would immediately, uh, upon finish, finishing it, I would be like, she wants to fuck me. And that's, that's I was flattered, kind of that you chose this uh, for me to watch. So I, and you're like, you're really gonna like this, Dave. And
3: well, I, yeah, I thought if anyone,
0: I thought if anyone would appreciate it, it would be Dave. But we're getting,
3: you know, Father Dave this week. But you know, Dave went with with angst, no, no. and uh, Kevin Kevin went with the Lars von Trier's like most provocative. Well, no, no, hold on. Uh, First of all, so these guys thought they were hold coming. On, get in. back.
0: Let me defend myself. Well, Let me defend I, I just, myself. I just I just wanted. No one was like slayed or murdered. They were they croaked. <laughs> Everyone just croaked. Everyone just tipped over this and is croaked. They were lame death scenes. Um, she
3: bit his dick. Yeah, she bit a guy's dick off.
4: Yeah, <laughs> she bit a
3: guy's dick off with her mouth.
4: There's so much penis biting on this show already. It's like you've got to stop.
3: Well, no, that's that's a mark of a good <laughs> horror movie. If somebody gives their dick bit off, like happens in She Wolf, and she um she does the vampire murder. Toward the end of of uh, you know, I don't want to no spoilers, but uh, yeah, I thought there was a good amount of blood and guts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, it's not for everyone. I'm a big fan. I, yeah. I gave it um, four out of five emojis
1: myself. Um, <laughs> Which emoji? The Eggplant? Yeah. I some some Oh, I love you. I'm talking about 2% milk. To go with tricks i to kill. I'm talking with my everyday meal.
4: All right, my pick this week was 2018's Lars von Trier film, The House That Jack Built. Um, I think if you're a fan of the genre, you probably know von Trier's work. Probably the closest that he would have done to to our world would be Antichrist uh, and Melancholia. Both are which, very interesting watches. I would recommend both. Um, I had never seen this. Um, I believe what Trent called uh, my plight this week in picking my serial killer film was that I had a uh, whiskey pick. Uh, I was struggling, uh, and I very rarely – I <laughs> took I, me I, a
1: second, sorry. Yeah, yes.
4: Um, I was clearly reaching out feelers to try to get some help here. Um, I, think, I think what we're discovering is my pick is either immediately from the gut, or I'm going to waste hours of my life uh, overthinking it. Um, but this one I had never seen. It is a long one. This movie's like two and a half hours long, um, and it's basically Lars von Trier just taking you through um, the life of a serial killer. He he's in, in the beginning he's being led by somebody named Berge towards what is clearly kind of a, a retrospective of his life, uh, heading towards something, and he picks kind of five specific moments uh, in what is is alluded to be a very long career as, as a, a very good serial killer. Um, I dug this. I have a lot to say about it, but uh, before, I'd love to go around the table and see what you guys thought of this one. And cats up next.
1: <laughs> I liked this movie when it started um i had never seen it before obviously or else you guys probably would have heard about it before now um i liked when it was being set up to just show you this murder like the serial killer with ocd i was like fuck yeah i'm on board yeah i'm like watching it i'm like fucking yeah he's he's he has to keep like going back into the house to like clean stuff because he's convinced that there's blood and all this stuff and i was like it's like a weird like kind of Dexter situation, but like to the extreme. Um, and the whole time I was like, oh, this guy, sh- this is, this makes him like Bundy. Oh, this makes him like Dahmer and then Gein and then blah, blah, blah. It kind of lost me when it started with all like the Dante's Inferno kind of situation. <laughs> um, but I will say my favorite part of this movie was the the titty purse. That was, definitely, mm. oh, boy. that was definitely my jam. I was like, yeah. can I make one of those? Can I crochet myself a titty purse? That's right out
3: of one of your uh, true crime tales. Yeah.
1: yeah? It's a yeah. Ed Gein. Yeah. He had That's the nipple
3: belt.
1: Right.
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nipple uh, belt, titty purse. We've got a full fashion line that we can start up. Perfect.
0: <laughs> I like this movie better the second time I'd watched it recently Me too. Uh, for the first time. Uh, it's pretty new. Um, I loved it i I liked that it was the stylistically, it was like very like freestyle um, all different types of uh, even the screen would change uh, the the frame within the movie and and the cameras would change and just the whole outlook of the director was all over the place. and uh, structurally it it reminded me strangely of 2001 a space odyssey hmm. because of how okay. uh the the journey you know <laughs> into the like the unknown at the end
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: kind of re- reminded me a little bit of that obviously it's not as uh grandiose and and uh epic as 2001 a space odyssey and it's not set in space <laughs> but uh, <laughs> other than that though, it's but not just something, just something about the journey of the character and uh I don't know it was pretty brutal, um, and it was pretty again a very uh, personal horror movie. Yeah. And I liked it. I I, I found this scene uh, where he was trying to get into the the incident number two uh, as they're they're laid out in in five different incidents. Um, he's trying to talk his way into this house. And he's so <laughs> bad at lying. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's painful. And I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to stuff that is just awkward and unrelenting in in movies. And um and again he he was he just barely killed this woman. These scenes <laughs> where these guys are just kind of like not really aggressive. Uh, it's almost scarier. This like floppy. Yes.
3: yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then he just kind of like crushes her her trachea and then and then she's gasping for air uh, it's it's pretty disturbing uh, that the, the second incident but I, I like the, the the journey the path of this movie is cool it is a little too long
3: this was uh, definitely my favorite one by far this week Kevin you had me eating out of your hand for three or four episodes now. Once again, (laughs) you have chosen uh, my favorite one, and I've I've seen this three times now. Because the first time I went to see this at the theater, they they did a one-night national um, screening of the uncut version last November, and I went to that, and I and I didn't like. I was let down. I don't know. I was just the expectations were such that. There had been the big hubbub at uh, at Cannes Film Festival where like 100 people walked out, but then another 100 people gave it a standing ovation. There was all this controversy. Lars von Trier had been um, banned from uh, Cannes Film Festival from when he was promoting Melancholia. Um, and uh, so I, I watched it again when you recommended it um, for this episode, and I was like, I love this movie. I don't know what my problem was that night. Uh, and then I watched it again, just because uh, it's great. I mean, I think it's a masterpiece. You got, first of all, we haven't mentioned a star-studded cast. We've got Matt Dillon is the killer. Uh, Bruno mm. Gans is sort of his guide. Um, Uma Thurman, Riley Keough, who I just saw recently in The Lodge. Uh, she was in Under the Silver Lake. She's done, made a lot of really interesting choices.
4: She's also uh, Elvis's granddaughter, which I never knew.
3: And she yeah. is... Um, but speaking of of the, she is actually the the uh, titty purse. There's a lot of Riley, oh.
1: there's
3: a lot of Riley in this movie. Your your booblog must have been overflowing, cat.
1: On uh, <laughs> this <really> one, <laughs> right off the page. Off the page. Loved
3: um, I, I loved. You know, I I thought again a, a lot like Angst. I thought that it nailed. I loved the OCD stuff, and I thought that it nailed a lot of those subtle, um, those subtle aspects of what seemed to sometimes drive these killers um Mm -hmm. that in the in the some of the more cheaper portrayals they don't really get that deep but you know that fearful again he he talks not too much about his childhood but talks about being a fearful child and you can see that he's fearful even when he's committing these crimes i loved the um the bob dylan subterranean homesick blues (laughs) video card sequences I loved him practicing expressions in the mirror, so he can seem like a normal. Like he's, he has to like practice like normal expressions, you know, so he can yeah. pass out there while he's uh, trying to do his stuff. Um, the picnic, I think oh, the picnic is God. legendary. This is in all of European uh, auteur provocateur film. The picnic has got to go down in history. So um, it big, is big. That, big fan of this one.
4: That's that's one of the most. Disturbing scenes of the film. So one of the one of the uh, instances that he talks about the five that he picks to tell Verge about as as Verge is leading him to his fate. He basically like I got a very Bundy vibe from Matt Dillon's mm-hmm. character. You know, I, I know there's a lot of references to actual serial killers in this, but like you know, Matt Dillon. It starts in the Pacific Northwest. He has the crutch. He uses disguises. Yeah. He has all yeah. these attempts at girlfriends and family, but the family incident where he goes on this explanation of what order you kill a family of deer mm-hmm. is like one of the Ooh. most chilling like i mean <laughs> you you know yeah. th- this this movie doesn't hide a whole lot like you know what's mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. um but just the way he explained that and then when when they're showing his relationship with Riley Q before she becomes uh the, the boob purse titty purse
2: um, say so-
4: yeah, she, she, titty first. <laughs> she has. She has. I mean, first of all, he calls her simple. Which oh, my is god, his his oh my god! That's his nickname for her, which is just yeah. brutal. And she looks at him at one point. And by the way, she she acts this beautifully. Like mm-hmm. she seems every bit as vulnerable so uh, and gullible. Uh, but she says to him, um, "Why do you have to be so cruel? I'm not completely stupid." And Matt Dillon delivers this line that just says, that fucking depends on your definition of completely. And I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> so Ouch. much.
3: Uh, uh. There's actually there's a um, a pretty extensive interview with Matt Dillon on YouTube. Um, I, I It's some sort of film institute. But if you look up um, How's the Jack Built Matt Dillon interview, um, he talks about that scene and how hard it was to do with Riley Keough because she was – she was so good at being terrified and he felt so awful about doing it. He said he, he really had a, really had a hard time getting through that one.
0: I ne- had never thought of him as a, uh, a villain. He, he rarely ever plays a villain, let alone uh, a serial, serial killer. But uh, I liked him uh, something about that like like forehead. that like sticks out over his eyebrows and he's got like the really like chiseled square face. Mm -hmm. I thought he was scary. Yeah. This movie like gives you the, the feeling of, of isolation, you know, some of the horror comedies and the less uh, serious stuff. You often see like killers with friends, but I think the reality of it is that these guys are often, you know, they're, they're loners. They have no one around them. Uh, They establish these relationships and then they're soon gone because they kill them. So I thought the almost claustrophobic isolation of Matt Dillon's character was really well done in this. And it has a a lonely tone to like the whole thing.
4: Yeah, I mean, this this one to me, again, touches on on, you know, tickles my theological bone because essentially, you know, Virg, who, who is his guide, what they're referring to is Virgil who is one of Rome's greatest poets. um, And notably, in Dante's Divine Comedy, Virgil is Dante's guide through hell and purgatory. Um, He died 19 years before Christ's birth. He was never baptized. Therefore, in lore, Virgil could never actually go to heaven. Um, But since he did nothing to to warrant hell, he's allowed to live in limbo and purgatory. Uh, So he knows the nine circles of hell better than anybody and often guides people um, who are going through that. Um, and I just thought a lot, of the, a lot of the theological references were really cool. Um, you know, when they're going through, like, I think he refers to, uh, like, the Elysian fields. Um, I love yes. a- any time the, the scythes were going uh, in the fields. Mm-hmm. That, that if you notice, anytime that happens, that Matt Dillon or Jack, he just stops. And is like, it's the only time that he's, like, calm. And like contemplative, um, so there's a lot of a lot of references that you can you can dig into um, theologically. But I thought it was interesting that of all the people that, that von Trier brings up in this verse, obviously Dante, um, the poet Blake, um, that he leaves out Milton in Paradise Lost. There's there's the, that's the most obvious one to me. So I thought it was curious that he left out um, any references uh, to to Paradise Lost. Um, but but he did make sure to have verge quote Jim Morrison, and he asked Jack, "Do you want me to show you the way to the next whiskey bar?"
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, although I think that I think Morrison took that from a traditional, uh, a traditional like uh, folk number. Um, but he also yeah. um, talks about uh, Hitler and Mussolini and Paul mm-hmm. Pot and all of like the great uh, evil figures of the world and uh, as, as uh, Jack describes them, us, who create real icons of this planet. Um, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of this is like, it's very trolly also, like there's mm-hmm. a whole, there's a whole montage of other Lars von Trier films Leading up to this, there's clips from Melancholia and um, Nymphomaniac. I just watched both of them because this sent me on a whole bender and Antichrist and other ones. And so it's like, you know, he's a real troll. And so I think a lot of this movie is he's sort of trolling his own filmmaking history. And that's why you get that montage and you get the stuff about the the iconography or the uh, uh, of of Nazi Germany. And, you know, he, he had the reason he was banned from from Cannes for so long before this movie was like comments that he made in jest about that. So there's a lot of wink nudge stuff going on, too.
4: Yeah, I, I always wondered if, if if this is him not just trolling, but basically saying, you know, he he's kind of resigned to the fact that he's going to end up in hell or maybe at best he hopes he ends up in purgatory uh, and doesn't make the same decision that Jack makes um, when he reaches the end of his journey through the, the nine circles of hell. Or, or you could be right, Trent. He could literally just be making this movie to say, fuck off, everybody.
0: I think it's both. All the above. I like that uh, there's a shout out in a few clips of Glenn Gould, the classical mm. pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that I'm about? I'm a big fan of the, the Beethoven sonatas. It was an, uh, I don't know. An I, artist. I think it goes back again to like some of these uh, serial killers that uh, think they have some sort of higher uh, distinct mm-hmm. palette um, and that maybe that's one way they justify mm-hmm. uh their taste for killing people
1: absolutely that they like the classic piano
0: well they try
4: to they try to talk about it like it's art because like you were saying Mm -hmm. trent when jack goes on that whole uh that whole rant about icons and he's talking about you know some of the the real tyrants in history uh virgil's next speech tells him about that concentration camp uh buchenwald and he starts Mm -hmm. talking about how there was a tree in the middle of that concentration camp um, where allegedly uh, Johann Wolfgang Goethe wrote some of his most important works while sitting under the tree before this was a concentration camp. So I think von Trier was kind of tie, trying to tie in or, or bring Jack around to be like, no, like there's some real art, you know, surrounding some of this bullshit uh, mm-hmm. and some of this tragedy um, and, and definitely not agreeing with with Jack and his, his, you know, calling these people icons and trying to call what he does
3: art. Yeah, I, I was really disappointed that he didn't get to finish his final work when he's when he's got everything he wants to do, the full metal jacket, the one bullet thing. But, you yeah. know, I just was like, oh, you could at least just, you know, just squeeze, squeeze it off before this next segment, at least finish the work. And he didn't. I guess he did build the house, though.
0: The house, the house that uh. he built. I mean, the, the movie's called "The House oh That Jack God. Built," and you should watch it just to see what that house is. Yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, it that involves. It, it involves a taxidermied child.
3: We can say that. Oh, that, that I think
1: that's,
3: child! Like grumpy, oh my grumpy, grumpy—the child who's taxidermied with a wide grin. Oh.
1: That will haunt my dreams forever. Absolutely. Um, he does go on this really weird tangent too. I feel like towards the end when he starts talking about like what he quote, he's like, "Why is it always the man's fault?" And like starts talking <laughs> about like masculinity, <laughs> and like this is obviously. I feel like Jack's serial killing way is kind of started with a masculinity issue, because just looking at his, you know, his first victim, he doesn't snap until she calls him a wimp. And then that's right. Like, and that's
3: whoosh- right yes
1: and i feel right. like that's the downfall from there
3: yes that's right he does right he's he's really it's it's when she challenges him that he is too weak and pathetic to be a serial killer this is like the first yep. scene so we're not giving anything jack away yeah don't uh, don't take the ja- <laughs> Jack's uh, on jack jack sir yeah. <laughs> Um, the house that jack built is on showtime it's on prime with showtime i rented it on voodoo uh, i think it's on most of the rental platforms so pretty easy one to see
2: i visited your
4: home this morning after you'd left i tried to play husband i tried to taste the life of a simple man
0: Put I'll down. show you in the box. Who's in the
2: box? In the box. Not you give me the What's gun? in the fucking box? Milled corn, sugar, malt flavoring, high fructose corn syrup, salt, sodium acerbate, sorbic acid, riboflavin, vitamin B6, thiamin, vitamin A, folic acid, corn flour blend, whole grain yellow corn flour germinated yellow corn flour, wheat flour, whole grain oat flour, oat fiber, soluble corn fiber, hydrogenated vegetable oil, coconut, soybean, cottonseed, soy milk corn, molasses, wheat starch, reduced iron zinc oxide, vitamin B6, natural oh flavor, blue oh two, turmeric color,
1: what's in the box i fucking love seven it's so good this is one of my movies it's kind of like a um like a science of the lambs for me where i'll just throw it on whenever when i'm just like oh i don't know what to watch i'll just some light watching i'll just watch seven um david fincher 95 watch this bad boy on showtime Plus or whatever the fuck. And then you can rent it anywhere, though, because it's still a very relevant movie. It's out there. Uh, You got Morgan Freeman. uh, You got Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, that guy that usually yells um, in, uh, like, army movies. Arlie Ernie. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) I
0: just watched Full Metal Jacket. (laughs) Speaking of the metal jacket. Oh,
1: yeah? Oh, for both. So, yeah, this is, like... I would say for me this is like a perfect serial killer movie in the way that the serial killer is very smart very calculated very patient everything that he wants to happen happens and everyone else in his little game are like his little pawns but also if you didn't have the good like the like the morgan freeman like the smart detectives doing their part None of this would work. So it's like that give and take of like not like a, of uh, competent detectives with this crazy theological uh, serial killer. Uh, it's just great. I am upset that some people didn't really like this film because I thought this was like a very easy crowd pleasing go to serial killer film.
0: Mm. But I, I like I, I love uh, seven, um, although it's a little dated with some of the the flashy effects now um Mm -hmm. but i think if anyone can pull those off it's it's david fincher Mm -hmm. and i i forgive it a little bit because it's um earlier in his career and uh, i i feel like his filmmaking style has gotten gotten much more sophisticated over time but uh seven always reminds me of the skit in the the wu-tang album He's like, I fucking, I fucking sew your asshole clothes and keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you and feeding. You and feeding you. I thought uh, Morgan Freeman was great. Um, I thought Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Brad Pitt had great chemistry, and I like what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this is this is a comedy for me. Um,
3: it's like. I watched this uh, – I can most enjoy this as like a, a parody of Law & Order. Um, I saw this back <laughs> like in the early aughts, and I, I really didn't like it. I, I guess the end a mile away, uh, not that it makes any sense. But um, I love uh, – first of all, I I really dislike the acting of Morgan Freeman across the board. Mm. I, I don't like him in any movie. Um it's just, he's very one note to me. He just has this thing that he does. And like, it just, it's very annoying to me. So my favorite parts of this movie were like his little one liners, like his wisdom, like he's preaching. Like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, he's yeah. quoting the Bible. Good, good. You're real Sherlock Holmes over here. But my favorite one of all, he has many of these because that's what he does in these movies is, uh, when the model, there's a scene where a model has been dispatched by the killer. And uh, he's going through the seven deadly sins, if you don't know the conceit of this movie. Um, so she's representing the pride killing and the medical examiner is looking at the body and uh, the killer has cut off her nose. And so Morgan's standing there and, and the medical examiner says, he cut off her nose. And, and, and Freeman goes, Despite her face. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the funniest fucking serial killer movie of all time um kevin what do you think
4: i don't think it's, uh, it's gonna shock anybody that i've watched this movie probably like 25 times in my life mm-hmm. I, I love this movie um it is very buddy cop set up you've got morgan freeman as the cliche about to retire guy yes, you've got brad yes. pitt as the over eager newcomer oh uh, yeah you always. know some you shit's have to have gonna that. go down you know that morgan's <laughs> not gonna be able to retire you know he's gonna be trying to calm this kid down um Here's the thing that I realized watching this movie this time, because it's been quite a few years since I've seen it. The whole movie, you're watching Morgan Freeman as though he's the mentor of Brad Pitt. And you're kind of like, okay, Brad Pitt's the puppy dog. But I watched this movie this time. I think that Brad Pitt is actually spending the entire movie like unknowingly mentoring Morgan Freeman. And that's simply because I'd never really paid attention to the last line of the film, not, not the Hemingway quote that Freeman gives. But Arlie Ermy is asking Morgan as as Brad Pitt is is meeting his fate, you know. And Morgan Freeman this whole time has been like, I'm leaving this shit city. I'm going to a cabin in the woods. And then the captain's like, well, where are you going to be at, Somerset? And Morgan Freeman says, I'll be around. Hmm. So I think like sort of – I had always watched this like, ah, oh, Brad Pitt didn't just learn his lesson. But I actually kind of think that he was unintentionally spending the movie – you know, kind of kind of changing Morgan Freeman's perspective, which he spends, you know, the whole two hours saying he will never change. Um, I love this movie. I think, Dave, you're right. The one thing I would say is that some of the 90s effects are, are super glaring. You know, having, having the band Coil cover Nine Inch Nails closer for the opening <laughs> credit sequence is like su- as 90s as you can get. Um, but look, Fincher considers this his first movie because his first actual movie was alien three which if you you ever want to waste two hours of your life read about the making of alien three and what Mm. david fincher went through um so for him to bounce back like this because he didn't even want to make movies anymore uh he was quoted as saying he'd rather have colon cancer than make another hollywood movie um and then again, I think the script. I think Andrew Kevin Walker deserves a lot of credit. It took him two years to write this script. Um, it's a it's a very I think clever movie. Trent, you, you probably disagree. I love like the way that that you don't know who the serial killer is until he decides to make himself known to you. And I mm-hmm. also think the marketing of this was brilliant in that they never even marketed the actual actor that played the serial killer. Um, because he's a pretty well-known actor, and they didn't want you to know. Um, they didn't want to detract from it. Um,
0: it's like when you find out who Kaiser Soze is The Usual Suspects. <laughs> yeah, literally. You, you got to call, kind of, uh,
3: call Kevin Spacey for that. Big surprise. Um, I liked you, Kevin, you were talking about the buddy cop. I mean, I, when I say like, I mean that like. When you like something really ridiculous and funny. The buddy cop thing, I don't know if uh, if any of you guys have ever seen True Colors. Or no, no, it's not not the Cyndi Lauper song. Uh, it's the the movie Colors with Robert Duvall and Sean. Yeah, Penn. Emilio
0: Estevez. Sean maybe? Penn and Robert Duvall.
3: They're oh. they're the cops fighting the gangbangers in L.A. and Ice T does the soundtrack song. Ooh, Colors. Oh, yeah, you remember yeah. that? So it's the I same remember. thing. Bob Duvall is the old grizzled veteran, and Sean Penn is a young buck, and they call him Pac Man because he's so excited to go. And it's, it's the same. It's a very you know well worn buddy cop thing. Old guy. Forty eight hours the young guy. Yeah, same same thing. But I really liked when they were both uh separately that's like going to the library and like checking out uh you know uh Canterbury Tales and uh Dante's <sighs> Inferno once again, Then checking out like oh this old literature trying to piece together this crime if I can read us T. S. Elliot. And then uh there's a scene later on where where Brad Pitt's character uh, Mills he sent one of the cops, one of the underling cops, to get him a bunch of Cliff Notes, and so now he's <laughs> he's he's versed in the class a little bit. He needs the Cliff Notes, and he's really going to get a handle on this case. You've got to get to the bottom of some of this Shakespeare.
0: I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, did we get did we get a? I'm too old for this shit. Oh Is, yeah, I, I mean, there's me? like t- ten of them. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Not specifically. <laughs> Well, there's- Look, I, have
0: to,
4: I have to get Morgan Freeman's back here because um, I I do understand, Trent, that you could view him as kind of one note. Like you could probably take Somerset, his character in, in Seven, and say that he's a lot like his character in The Shawshank Redemption. Every movie. Um, but watching this movie, again, like much more focus because of the show because, you know, we we we're watching these movies, I think, with a little more attention to detail than we have in the past. There's so many little things that Morgan Freeman does with his face. Um, and the one that I, that I think I love the most is when they're finally having like their, their bonding moment at Brad Pitt's apartment after Gwyneth Paltrow, Brad Pitt's wife, invites uh, Somerset, Morgan Freeman over for dinner. Um, they're kind of starting to get into it together and actually have a bonding moment. And Brad Pitt's all like energetic and like, I'm going to get a beer. And Morgan, he's like, you want a beer? And Morgan Freeman's like, wine. And Brad Pitt goes and gets, like, this regular giant water glass that you would, you know, oh, yeah. drink water out of <laughs> yeah. and yeah. pours him, like, yeah. 12 ounces of red wine. I
1: loved that. tall <laughs> right boy be- wine.
4: <laughs> right before that scene cuts away and they're, like, they realize, okay, they, they, they notice the eyes of a picture and they, ha- they they know they have to go in the middle of the night to – To interview this witness again, Um, like just really subtly, Morgan Freeman finally kind of looks at the glass real quick and realizes that Brad Pitt gave him this fucking tumbler full of wine. There's a lot of moments like that that that, that I think Freeman, you know, you know, to give him credit, just just to just to keep it an even playing field here.
1: Um, Did you guys have a favorite murder of the seven deadly sins?
3: I I, yeah. I the
0: Wu Tang one.
3: I, I did and I and I wrote it down because I was so annoyed that I was watching this movie. I did mm-hmm. uh, I loved the sloth the sloth murder. It was great. That was that, that was, was cool as hell. One. I was all about the yeah. sloth murder. The whole sequence yeah. is very good, very creepy. Um yeah. a big 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 ups on the sloth scene. Yeah.
0: I actually I, I actually don't believe that you didn't like this movie. I I refuse to argue with you about it, but I I believe that that you especially when you first saw it, when you say you walked away and you didn't like it, I don't believe that it has so many of the things that you look for in a movie.
3: No, I I and, I, and
0: back then they weren't done before.
3: I, I watched it in my apartment on Atlantic Street on the Hill with my long ex girlfriend Sam, and I didn't I didn't like it. I can tell you exactly. I remember specifically. I just didn't like can I get it, so
0: Sam's phone number, so I can I call her. I She's on Facebook. I don't think probably she wants. I, I don't think she wants to t-shirt. hear from
3: any one of us. I can tell you that. Uh, but I thought I thought I would like it more this time. Maybe like oh, I was young, I, I should give it a chance. And uh, but it was it was like I said, it was great laughs. I loved. Um, I did love the. <laughs> I loved the Morgan Freeman when the Morgan Freeman line when he says, "You can lead a horse to water, but that don't make him a duck." You know, and it's like, (laughs) oh man, this guy is full of whiz. That kind of
0: funny.
3: (laughs)
1: Such a butthole. Why it was good. Um, And
3: also, I got bullied. By the way, I just like people to know that I got bullied on this on the text thread. You know, we there's a lot of awareness now about cyberbullying and. A lot of toxic, <laughs> a lot of toxic behavior online It's shaming and stuff. Are you it's so, kidding me? It's so easy when you're like behind a screen, a phone, your know, Twitter fingers and text fingers say stuff. And I just said on the thread, I said, you know, my exact words were I like when a stranger calls better than seven. And uh, Kevin said, just <laughs> die.